I don't want to hear anyone blame his special teams, bro. You had one touchdown. Oh, come on. You gotta, you gotta blame it a little bit. No. You had one touchdown all Here's game. At home. You're the number Here's one that. seed. They still should have won that game. And they... It shouldn't have been that close in the fourth quarter, bro. It's the playoffs. Anything can happen. Listen. <laughs> I listen. He deserves some blame. He deserves but... a lot of the blame. Cool. So good. So good. Huh? Did you just say we're already recording? I think so. We're good to go. Oh, okay. I was gonna say. That's bad. Oh, I mean, it's not. It's not live. <laughs> yeah, we. Yeah, we always cut off the beginning. Yeah, we edit it. Thank God. Yeah. No, that would never work. I mean, we'll have to do it eventually. But are we recording, Robert? Oh, okay then. Perfect. Got to get in a character here. I'm just kidding. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into another edition of a Slow Your Roll. Another playoff edition after a wacky last round. Much better than the first round. Much better. Almost every single home team lost until the Bills decided to go full idiot with 13 seconds left and somehow blow that game. So are we going to say the Bills or are we going to say McDermott? Because there's a big difference there. I, you know, I I like McDermott, and and I'll give McDermott a lot of credit a lot of the time. But that's a fair that's a fair thing to say. Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, right. I mean, the defense still deserves some. The, you're right. The defense. The has, offense deserves no blame whatsoever. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, absolutely. They, they. Brian, you're gonna have to get a little closer. Uh, uh, sorry. By the way, guys, we got a guest in today. This is uh, this is Brian Salem. Thank you for coming on the show. You've been listening to a couple of the episodes, I think, since I shared it. Yeah. So thank thanks you for coming for on. Me. Yeah, it's no a pleasure. Problem. Yes. But um, yeah, going back to uh, Buffalo uh, offensively and defensively. As far as their game plan on offense, I don't think they could have dialed up anything better. Oh, I know, right? Not well, when it counted. Well, no. Be like, ah, oh, we know they're going to try and take away Diggs, so let's just hit him over the head with Gabriel Davis all night. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what they did, and Josh Allen running. I mean, they kind of did the same thing to KC with Davis that they did to the Pats Yeah, with Isaiah McKenzie. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty yeah, much. a little bit. You know, I, it, the last thing I'm going to say on this, in McDermott's defense, because we we're going to get into this way more, every coach in the league was terrible situational football. I think I put this out on Facebook. I was like, listen, Belichick might not have the personnel, and that's partly his fault for the run with these teams. But you should all appreciate it because every single one of these games just gaffs, choke jobs, terrible situational football at the end of games. Awful, awful, awful. Hilarious, though, and it made for a great time. So we're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers, that situation. I got some some thoughts on that. Uh, I even go, I I got more time to think about it even when we planned this show. I'm going to go even more extreme. Oh, um, yeah, he's going nuclear. I am going to go nuclear. Uh, Browns and Buck, uh, Rams and Bucks, and uh, I felt very good about that. I only went one and three, one and three on picks this week, but, but I think I went zero and four. But the Rams are, yeah, you did go zero and four. But the Rams are my Super Bowl pick, so that's what matters. They're still alive. Obviously, Cincy Titans. We'll do the next games. We've talked about the Pats a bit, but we got a fan in here now who's been listening to the show. We're going to get some other people's opinions on the Patriots this season and the Pats moving forward. A little bit more on the Brian Flores Miami firing. That'll be quick. And uh, another segment of fair and foul before the Darwin, as always. But, Jesse, 
Yes. As most of these shows have been for a while, it's mostly football, but I'll let you get started on uh, on your opening segment, some Bruins talk. It's time to the Confused Dom segment. Yeah, I know. I don't really watch a lot of hockey. Yep. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have a little bit of a controversial take here. Uh, you know, Jake DeBrusque has been talked about a lot uh, the past couple years, if you're a Bruins fan, just in the Bruins media. A lot of criticism. Uh High overall pick, he was the 14th overall pick in 2015, which comes with uh, expectations, rightfully so. Um, Some people say he was picked too early. I kind of agreed with that. He wasn't high on a lot of people's lists. They might have reached for him, and they had three picks in a row, the Bruins had, Um, and they kind of all three have disappointed. But Jake DeBrusque was the big one, and uh, actually, to be honest, at first I really liked him, and a lot of people did too. But just the past couple of years, like especially last year, like it got bad for this kid. Uh, last year, and it was a shortened season with the uh, the COVID and all that, and it was only in divisional play until the playoffs. But last season, uh, he in 41 games, he put up five goals and 14 points. He was a plus one. And now, Dom, do you think that's good? I mean, he's, he's is he plus one? Isn't that isn't that average? I he's sure. But, like, the points is more like the real, like, 14 points in 41 games. You're in a first-round pick. I feel like, to be he was, David Pasternak was taken, I think it was 23rd overall. Mm. He was taken sooner than Pasternak. Pasternak's a stud. You should do this to him, because I think he watches more hockey. But I, I just like, I just like <laughs> confusing you and just, like, wanting your opinion on things that you don't quite understand. Hey, I stole the last time, the last segment you talked about hockey. No, you, you did. With that blasphemy. You that's, did. That's all I said the whole time. But people are kind of a little too hard on this kid. Okay. Because, you know, this year, it was supposed to be a bounce back year. And in 33 games now, almost to that 41 games, he's put up 13 points. Six goals. One more goal. And he's right now, he's actually a minus three. So you, you could say it's going worse this year. However, at the beginning of the season, he asked for a trade. And then he got, I mean, all the hate. Um, called him. People call him a quitter. People calling him much worse. But this is a family show, so I won't really go into it. How bad he got it. Kind of family. I feel we've been screwing up the past couple of weeks. I guess. <laughs> I guess. But um, people just say like he doesn't have heart, basically. Mm-hmm. But they use just a different word, much worse word. Um, so, and actually, since that time, you haven't heard much from him. He hasn't put up, like I just told you his stat line. He hasn't put up much points. And this is a kid who, in his actually second season, put up 27 goals. So, again, you have expectations. And since then, it's just drop, 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 drop. Um, and, but however, since he asked for this trade, he has been just kind of a good little player. Not really putting up points. He's been on your third and your fourth line. He hasn't complained. He hasn't really stressed about this. And the Bruins told him, yeah, maybe, maybe not. If we find a good deal for you, we might move you. And I understand kind of why it's not working here anymore. He's getting hate from everywhere, not from the team, but just from every which way outside. Um, and yeah, just after a certain point, you're saying it's not working here. I want a new start. And I get that. Um, but since then, he has just worked hard. He gets penalty kill time. He, uh, in the last couple of games, he has actually, it's kind of paying off. He put up a goal. He put up two assists in his last two games. Um, so, He's just buried his head and been a good teammate and just a great... He's been a good soldier. Yeah. No, that's a a great... I like that word. A good soldier. He's been a great locker room guy. He's celebrating with his teammates when they're uh, scoring, despite the fact that he wants to leave this team. Um, 
He's still there for everybody. And he's still just burying his head, putting his work. And I admire that because it's, it's got to be hard mm. right now. When you don't want to be someone. Yeah. And he's only 25. Mm. He can't. It's, it's got to be hard for someone like that to deal with it. He's, I, I did the math. The math. He's 358 days younger than me. Really? He might still be on his parents' insurance. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the laws in Canada. He's Canadian. Uh, he's probably on the team's insurance. I only got 10 days on him. Hey, <laughs> you better get injured now, kid. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. I, uh, you know what I think the biggest, like, what worries me about guys like DeBrusque is, like, you know the potential is there. Yeah. You know that he's, he, he has some of the tools to not be, you know, a, a huge impact player night in and night out. He's not going to be an elite setup guy or an elite goal scorer, but, like, can't you just picture him getting shipped off and wherever he goes, he just lights it up? Oh, see, he's got a lot of interest, apparently, from teams. And so people see, other teams see that, too. They know he can, I mean, he put up 27 goals in his second season. And I think, actually, that was part of the problem. He then had huge expectations from some, and he isn't hitting them himself, and that's really bringing him down. Didn't he follow that up with another 20-goal season right after? I, it was, Two. hold on, give me one second. I believe it was, I mean, it was uh, 19 goals. It was uh, 35, um, it was 42 points, though. So, I mean, that's, it's not a horrible stat line, but for for a guy that you wanted to be a top six forward, that you, for a guy that was going to be playing with the likes of Krejci and whoever else you stuck on the, on yeah. the opposite side, yeah. <sighs> They're kind of stuck, like in a rock, you know, between a rock and a hard place with this kid. A little bit, yeah, because um, the Bruins have said, I mean, if we would like to keep him, if the right deal is there, we might move him. But we would like him to be a part of this team, even part of this group. Um, and he, they're usually using him on the low lines, and I, he has the potential to be more, but he needs to be able to pr- just be a good team, and he has been of a, just a good teammate, low lines, and if he just finds a little groove. I think he'll be fine as a third-line guy, and he can make a real living putting up 50. If I get 15 goals and 30 to 40 points out of him on the third line, that's, I'd love that. That's perfect. And I think he, if he just accepts, like, hey, and I don't need to be a stud. I can be a bottom six forward and still make a difference, do power play, uh, or excuse me, penalty kill time. That's big. That's huge. Um, that's almost more important than your being on the power play. And I think he used to be on the power play, and now he's not. And I think that's another can be a blow to a young kid of to the psyche. And the NHL is actually moving more and more towards helping these young players develop mentally and maturely because so many players are not reaching their potential because of just the mental stress right. that they put on themselves. Mm. And actually, that's just a big thing. Uh, Nathan McKinnon of the Avalanche recently talked about that because he first overall pick massive expectations to the likes of Sidney Crosby and his first season he was hitting it and then his stats just kept dropping and dropping and dropping and he saw a psychologist and his stats were better than they ever were but the thing with guys like him is he's he's not a Nate McKinnon Jake DeBrusque (laughs) no and he never will be and he never think he should have been and he's he was a 14th overall pick and that was a reach so he shouldn't think that and i mean look at some of the guys that got drafted after him oh the bruins are not a good draft team matt barzal oh okay that's what you mean 
Oh yeah, that. See, the Bruins are not a good drafting team. They he miss on players made like. Made a fool of you. Yes. In the playoffs, like where, where is the where is the talent development here? I mean, uh, you, you you go down the line, even when you know Shirelli's last couple of years here, or pretty much the entire time Sweeney's had that position. You know, it's you go down the line of guys that have either ended up eventually panning out to some degree when they left. Yeah, uh, Sagan is the first one that comes to mind. Uh, didn't he leave, though? No, he was traded. Yeah, he got traded, but didn't they trade him because they were unhappy with his production? And Yeah, and, and he was, they also didn't like his off-ice attitude. I know, I know he had other problems, a too, but I thought of, the production, but, but I thought even the production on ice, they were kind of disappointed about. No, yeah, absolutely, but then he went to the Stars, and he produced pretty well. Yeah. Um, and actually, a recent one was probably like a Ryan Donato. A little disappointing, and they kind of, I feel like they really let him go too soon. Um, and now he's on, he went to the wild, did pretty good. Now he's on the Kraken and he's doing pretty well. Um, so yeah, I actually, I feel kind of bad if you're a recent forward drafted to the Bruins. It's, it doesn't look good. No, they can, (laughs) you know, defensemen are doing pretty well. Carlo McAvoy, um, uh, Grizzlick, but yeah, forwards, they're just, they can't get past like the third line. And even guys, they kind of bring in, they even like Coyle was a young guy they brought in was looking pretty good. Looked pretty good his first season with the Bruins and kind of stunted him a little bit too, almost, it seems. So it's not all Jake DeBrus' fault, and I still believe in this kid. I really do. And I think actually if the Bruins trade him, I think you're going to be right. He's probably going to, you know, maybe not be a stud or a star. I think he'll thrive on another team, though. Yeah. I think maybe nice, it's though. part of the problem is the Bruins are not quite built for someone. He is small. And he doesn't have people around him to protect him. Yeah, I think part of it, too, is is kind of the game that the Bruins like to play. I mean, it's when, uh, what's his name there? Julian. When Claude Julian was here, it was always get back. Make sure yeah, you get defense back. And be rough. responsible in your own zone first. Clean that up. The rest will come. And I think there's still a little bit of that lingering within the team. From, there is because you still have guys like Bergeron and exactly, Marshawn, exactly, and so, they still try to, they still can develop these defensive kids. So right, and I, I, that's not what DeBrusque is. No, he actually, I mean, he has, he can have defensive mind similar to Bergeron, but he's not, he doesn't, he's not that big bad Bruin that they used to be, and they've attempted to get away from it with Cassidy, yeah. and there's clearly an idea for speed, and DeBrusque was part of that idea, but for some people. Like Pasternak, it works because he's just so dynamic. Just people like DeBrusque who are not as dynamic, it's just not helping. It's not working. And they need to do that more. Whatever that is, they need to find someone out there. And they need to it's change coaching, change um, development, uh, whatever it be. Because, yeah, people are suffering. It's, I'm glad you actually <laughs> posed that question. Like, do you need... Change, changes in the development department, changes in coach, like or the scouting department. It sounds like yeah, that a little too. bit, yeah. <laughs> that too. I mean, you look at the guys that they draft and the guys that they pass up on, and it, not only those two things, but where they draft certain players that they draft. And mm. like this whole time, Jake DeBrusque, perfect example. You had three picks in the middle of that first round. Mm. Look at the guys that went before him. Look at the guys that went after him. You took who did you take with those three picks? It was Jake DeBrusque, I think. Uh, Jacob Zaboral, a Zaborl. defenseman, and it 
and then Zach Senishin, who has played, I think, like three NHL games. So, have any of those guys really, really panned out? Uh, that Jake DeBrusque almost put up thirty goals that one season. <laughs> right, that one season. Yeah. All right. So, uh, all right, guys, we gotta we gotta move on. We yeah, that, move on. All right. So you and your uh, you and your Bruins talk. Yeah, Jake DeBrusque. All right. In the rapid fire news, real quick, guys, we'll go over the playoff scores real quick. Uh, Bengals on the last minute field goal by McPherson, nineteen sixteen over Tennessee after a brutal pick by Ryan Tannehill, his third of the game. Niners take down the Packers, thirteen to ten. Aaron Rodgers drops to just five and four. By the way, at Lambeau Field in playoff games, yeah, and one and three in his last four. Abysmal, abysmal. Rams thirty to twenty seven. The Rams tried really hard. To choke this game away after dominating it the entire way. But uh, Matt Stafford, finally out of Detroit, shows that uh, he can be, be a big boy in big times, big spots, big throw to Love Cooper it. Cup. Love it. Yeah, you got to feel good for him after getting out of that hellhole. Absolutely. <laughs> and finally, the Bills and Chiefs kind of went down the way we thought. I mean, we didn't think it happened the way it did in 13 seconds, but I felt like we most thought, eh, no one's going to stop anyone and whoever has the ball last wins this game. Chiefs had the ball last because of the coin toss in overtime and won the game 42-36. Also, by the way, some other news in the NFL. Seahawks have announced basically that it seems Pete Carroll and John Snyder are coming back. 24 hours later, the report is already out that Russell Wilson and his agent are unhappy. And once again, Russell Wilson could be on the market. Seems like a dumb move move by Seattle because it seems like the game has passed Pete Carroll by. That's another segment for another day, though. Um, The MLB is still in its lockout. Finally, uh, today, I actually just got this alert three hours ago. Finally, a counter offer has been uh, proposed from the owners to the players. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, not high, not high hopes, though. And it seems like spring training could be in jeopardy. And from that, by the way, some local news real quick. By the way, the Beverly Panthers... The basketball team, they weren't as good as when, when me and you were in high school, but they are one of the best teams in the state right now. 82-48 over the week against Lynn Classical. They beat down Gloucester as well, hanging 90 points on them. And then yesterday against North Tech, who's ranked 11th in Division Three for the state, the Panthers took them down 82-68 without, well, not completely without, but with one of their best players, Gabe Copeland, being hampered by a knee injury. Panthers still take them down. Hope to move up. And the MIA state power rankings got to stay in that 16 and better range to guarantee a playoff spot. But your Panthers are undefeated right now. They'll have bigger games down the road. Ling English and Catholic Memorial are coming in a couple of weeks as well. So they're a real, uh, they're a real challenger for, for a state title this year. It's crazy. All right. And from that, that has been rapid fire news. We will move on to some of the playoff talk. My favorite guy, Aaron Rodgers. Five and four in the playoffs at Lambeau Field. This goes back to last year, too. Remember, Brady threw him three picks in the fourth quarter. Aaron still couldn't do anything with it. I was going to start this segment by just saying I never want to hear his name mentioned with Brady again. But I feel like he's finally getting ripped by the media for once, probably today. So I feel like I don't even need to say that. I don't think it's going to happen again. I also want to clarify, the media is ripping him also, for the first time because of the vaccine stuff, I don't give a shit about that. Everybody can do whatever the hell they want. I'm ripping him because he's just an a-hole. And everybody knows he's kind of an a-hole. So. I, I think that and this last choke job. Oh, yeah. Put the two together was yeah. finally enough 
for the national media and all the pundits to finally come around and say, okay, there is. He's overrated. Yeah. So here it is. So if anyone does try to defend him, all the special teams, Mercedes Lewis. Well, let's see. Matt Stafford, his team fumbled the ball three times in the fourth quarter. And Matt Stafford still, when it came time to make the big play and the big throw, he did it. Aaron Rodgers was at home off a bye, number one seed, Super Bowl favorite. Facing a beat-up 49ers team that thought that they weren't even going to have their two best pass rushers in Nick Bosa and Warner. And he still couldn't make the play, the throw. One touchdown all game long. Do you know who he played like in that game? He played like Alex Smith. (laughs) Alex Smith. Who never threw the picks. He never did the bad thing. He'd always end the game 20 of 28, 22 of 31, but he never made the play. He never made the throw. And he sometimes barely even tried to make the play or the throw. This is on Aaron. A lot of this is on Aaron. Also, 18 targets to just Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. Every year, it's the same thing. I'm only going to throw to Devontae Adams. You have to forge relationship with other wide receivers. You can't tell me that Lazard and Scantling, who have been there for years, aren't capable. It seems like when... I mean, they're not that great. They're not great, but Devontae's the one that gets the attention. You'll have them in single coverage. And it seems like whenever Devontae is forced to be out of a game in the regular season, Lazard and Scantling are able to produce. But for some reason in the playoffs, Aaron... I don't know if he just freezes up, if he just locks on, but he just doesn't forge a good enough relationship on the field with anybody else other than Devontae. And this is and, and this is the personality stuff, the aloofness. And, and here's the other big thing. So you go back to last year. If Tom Brady was on the verge of making a Super Bowl and they lost in crushing fashion at the end, how do you think he'd spend his offseason? In solitude, working to be better next season. And probably working with his wide receivers, too, during the offseason, right? Sure, but you never see him in public. Aaron Rodgers spent it ripping the Packers front office, talking about maybe retiring, putting news out there right before the draft, and not going to OTAs and instead going to Hawaii and posting videos on Instagram about him playing a guitar around the campfire. I mean, my man, I guess, does deserve to live his life. I'm not going to... Listen, that's fine, but, but, don't, but, but don't compare him to Tom Brady yes. and other, the other great quarterbacks. And yes. when you don't have a relationship with anybody else on your team, it seems like, other than one wide receiver and a running back, I guess, you check down to, and maybe you should have worked in OTAs a little bit. I mean, isn't that what he complained for years about, that he's not getting these this help from wide receivers? Make it work. Brady made it work with mediocre pieces for a long time. Brady's better. I'd go a step farther than that. A big step farther. I mean, has there, in our lifetime, or even before our time, was there ever a quarterback that did more or even remotely close to as much as Brady did with as little as Brady did? Probably not. God, no. Yeah. Absolutely not. I mean, I mean, there was years it was Wes Welker and Dion Branch. He made those guys, though. That's Wes what Welker I'm, that's was what a I'm nobody. Saying. That's what I'm saying. And you telling me Aaron can't make somebody else? You have all the talent in the world. Aaron has all of the talent in the world. But it's the personality, it's the ego, it's all that other stuff that gets in the way. I don't know what... And I don't think... I, I truly... 
the defense played fine. They shut the Niners down most of that game. The 49ers were deep in negative yard total until halfway through the second quarter. They didn't complete a single pass until eight minutes to go in the second quarter. Yeah. And for years, it's been Rodgers complaining about he didn't have enough of defense. The defense was fine for you yesterday, I mean, two days ago. Maybe your boy, Kyle Shanahan, just knows how to play him. He can't play the 49ers. And I know Kyle Shanahan hasn't been there for all of them, but he can't play the 49ers. Okay. That could be an excuse, but then we, we bring up the Bucks game last year. Three interceptions by Brady in the fourth That was the quarter. NFC Championship game. He can't play that either. This was not an so, NFC Championship under game. Under pressure, under pressure, when, when it matters... He he shrinks. He's Alex Smith. Choking he's, dog. He's Peyton. Oh. He's Peyton Manning playoff time. No, I know. I said that. I know I, you did. He I never I'm not gonna make the argument he's choked. He choked or he didn't choke. Or and he's not a choker because he's not that clutch. He clearly ain't. His playoff numbers just aren't that good. Um I mean he's great if you're playing the Cowboys. <laughs> but like <laughs> yeah. and we'll talk about this a little later also. Mm-hmm. I, I mean I think the team as a whole did choke. The defense played well. And if you look at the stats, Aaron Rodgers did technically outplay Garoppolo. Yeah. Uh, but, like... Boy, if that's your bar, bro. You still... They were going... You're supposed to be the league no, no, MVP. No. They were going to win that game. Then a blocked punt happened. And after, if a blocked field goal didn't happen earlier... Okay, after... They're probably going overtime at worst. Okay, but after Aaron went three and out again for the fourth straight time. Okay. Four straight times. Here's the thing. Like, do we think the 49ers beat them? Uh, or do we think the Packers kind of beat themselves? I think though? the Packers kind of beat themselves. A lot of it. He didn't. Aaron Rodgers is not on special teams. Yeah. But and listen, Aaron, but I will agree with you. He talks a lot of smack. He is so arrogant. But he and play, he doesn't show up but in go, the brightest lights. But go watch those drives. He played it safe. He's checking it down to Aaron. He's forcing it to Vontae. I mean, 49ers play good defense too. They do. I'm not saying go out there and score 40 points. But the Niners offense was incompetent for three quarters. And you scored seven points on offense all game. There well, was you mis- got one touchdown, I mean. I mean, they left points on the board. They like, left a lot of points on the board. Yeah, like that that huge play to end the half or near the end right of, with uh, Aaron Jones just running down the sideline. How do you not get points out of that? True. True. I mean, listen, I'm not saying that that the Packers didn't fail him, but at the end of the day, if you're supposed to be the league MVP, you're supposed to be the guy, you are supposed to be able to overcome things like that. Brady overcame stuff like that all the time. Russell Wilson's done it in the playoffs. Mahomes does it all the time. Patrick Mahomes, his defense gave it up, and then 13 seconds left, goes down the field, ties it. Goes to overtime. We'll talk about that later. Goes to overtime. I'm going to win it now. So... If you want to get paid this much money, you want to be the league MVP, you want to be one of the best quarterbacks in the game, you say that, you feel that. You have to be able to overcome all the other stuff Yeah, when it happens. I'm just making the point of like, listen, you're, is, is most of your point that just Aaron Rodgers is overrated and we shouldn't compare to Brady? Yeah. Because that I agree with. But also, I, I truly think that I just Aaron, don't. I just don't 100% blame him for this game. I don't 100% blame him for the game. I gave a lot of the blame to him, though. And I think, in general, the problem with Green Bay is Aaron Rodgers. I think Rodgers is the problem in Green Bay. I understand he's super talented, so a lot of time he is the solution. But when it comes to why can't the Packers make the Super Bowl, why can't the Packers get to the height that they should be? I think LaFleur's a bitch. Rodgers is the problem. 
How is LaFleur? Rogers has so much power in that organization. And LaFleur should be like, you work for me and I work for him. And he works for him. There's not. I mean, they don't have a clear and owner, so that's part of this problem. I, I guess. But I don't think Rodgers is the kind of guy that you can pull that with, though, because he's just such. But a, the coach should. A, he's a, listen, and Mike McCarthy's part of the problem because he let it get there. But like when you come in, you you cannot let. If a new coach came in and Tom Brady just started literally pushing this guy around, I mean, not literally, like pushed him to the no, floor and said, "Hey," but like, how are you going to get respect from the rest of the team? Why are we using Brady here as the comp? Because they, if if we're talking, oh, I guess about, I shouldn't compare him to that. But man. But, but 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 I don't think saying, any quarterback does the things I mean, that he does. I mean, any elite. If Russell Wilson lost on the verge of the Super Bowl, Russell Wilson's one of the hardest workers. Now he's unhappy with the Seattle organization and voices that, but that's because it's pretty obvious that anyone looks at it. I mean, he doesn't have the pieces around him at all. Aaron has the pieces. He has good running backs and Devonte Adams and Tanyan. and I mean, a good like, defense. Sure. Uh, Russell had, yeah, I guess he used to really have that. Used to. He has, he, they're not that good anymore. I mean, did you see how terrible they were when he was injured? Pete Carroll has had one of the worst defenses in the NFL for like three years now. But my point is, when you have the pieces there, if you were on the verge of it before, right, and lost, whether it be Brady, whether it be Mahomes, whether it be Russell Wilson, all these guys who are about it, who want to win, who are some of the best, they don't have the kind of off seasons that Aaron Rodgers does. Aaron is part of the problem. He's a lot of the problem in Green Bay because they're well run. They draft well. They do everything else very well. Uh, they clearly their cap situation is not in a good place at all. Aaron Rodgers is what? Oh, he didn't tell them to sign them all those contracts that end at the exact same time and still be forty five million over the cap. Yeah, but how much of that cap is Aaron? A lot of that cap is Aaron. That cap, his. Contract ends when the season ends. I digress. He didn't tell them to sign Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones and all so these other people to the, from, the exact same contract as him. I guess, but we're moving on from the Brady. Just this. I think Aaron is the problem in Green Bay. He's part of the problem. He's a big part of the problem. Brian, what do you think? Aaron's the problem. Thank you. The whole problem? Yes. Yes, Aaron is the whole the problem. The entire problem. Aaron is so. the whole problem. I don't think so. You can't have a personality like you I think he's 75% okay. of the problem. You cannot, in that league, when we're talking about the most important position in all of major sports, okay? Face of a franchise like the Packers, cornerstone of the NFL. I mean... Are, yeah, the Packers are. Yeah. When you think of football, when you think of the NFL, you think of two things. John Madden and the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, shouldn't I think of the Raiders then? Aaron's got to be the guy. You, yeah. He he can't. If you want him to be the guy, you can't. He can't carry on like that. Yeah. Just and be, off the and, field and, distractions and be so self-important because he's. So you're saying because he's he, a Packer, he needs to be a model citizen. I'm saying if you're going to be in the position that the team wants him to be in and handle his job the way that they want him to handle it, you can't act like that. Yeah. Like that's what separates guys from Rodgers from guys like Brady. Guys like Brady and Wilson and Manning, they all put winning first. Winning and performing their job to the best of their ability is paramount to them. I think the only I think what Rodgers cares about most is Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. And the way he looks, um, basically. Like his whole how he looks. I know. Media, legacy, all oh, that kind of okay. stuff. Not um, that. 
I, I mean, I, I agree with that. I, yeah. I agree with he doesn't carry himself in the fashion that you would like him to, I guess, as a quarterback. Um, and, you know, would I really want a guy like that leading my team? No. no. Um, I will defend his right to the death to do it, though. Oh, yes. Uh, but I just, I don't know. I feel like there has to be some toxicity in the organization that allows this man to get this ego like this. The I, same reason I don't, I blame a little of the Steelers of why we have Antonio Brown today, because there was toxicity in the organization. That's a quite a little bit of a different situation because that whole it, it's so much easier to move on from AB than it is a quarterback. That's not the point. Okay, I'm just saying he was he came up like anyone, but like he how else does why does Tom Brady not have this huge ego? Because he was, he was hoisted on high because he was so early. Because he was drafted in the sixth round, and his coach was Bill Belichick. He had guys like okay. Giovanni Carmazzi and Spurgeon, the surgeon Wingo before him. <laughs> I, I, all right, I guess that's good. Um, that's good. All right, why wasn't Peyton Manning so entitled? Because he grew up. With the Colts are not the most well-run organization. Yeah, but he but he grew up in a football family and that was all about success, winning. His father was an NFL quarterback. So you're saying it starts with the family. Uh, well, listen, that's a whole nother podcast, brother. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we're not we we're not gonna get into societal stuff here, but yes, sure. I'm sure that's that's I'm sure that's part of it. You wanna talk Look. about family relationships? Ha, ha. Uh, my, no, mine's not that bad. Mine's not that good. Uh, I bet yours is a whole hell of a lot better than Rogers' family situation. Yeah, that's the other thing. He, it's he, true, he, I talk he, to my family. He, he fights with his own family. Exactly. He's just he's a difficult personality, man. All right. So Aaron Rodgers is the problem in Green Bay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Jesse, take it over. It's time for the Tom Brady update. The Tom Brady update. They're always early now. Yeah, I mean he's in the playoffs. We've got to talk about the games. Yes. It's not just about him. Uh but I mean, you know, this talk leading up to this game that He's going to mull his career over in the offseason. He's going to mull it over if he wants to come back. And we might have seen Tom Brady for the final time. That's a bunch of garbage. We have Listen, not seen Brady for the last time. I think he will come back. I'm on that boat. Um, Brady's the type of guy he will not settle for anything less than retiring off of a Super Bowl win. He's, he, I don't. Uh, I mean, that's not. In I his, don't think the Bucs are going to win again. Anywhere Brady goes, you have a chance. Maybe. Maybe. At some point, he's going to suck, though. I Even mean, if he's 56. Yeah, he's good. He's going to look a little like Big Ben. At least a little <laughs> bit. I, he takes way too good a care of himself for that. Listen, I think he'll be pretty good for if he still plays for a couple more years. But he said 45. He's 44. Maybe he wants to keep his wife. I don't know. Maybe he wants to be a little bit of family man, see his kids grow up. Because, like, I mean, that CTE is coming, right? Why? He, you, you can barely touch a quarterback anymore. Really? He got he got knocked in the face and then got uh, did, a penalty did. on him. He did. He did get knocked around yesterday, which is why I picked the Rams. Because I said that pass rush you was going to get the Rams the because you said they were gonna, the Rams were going to run all over them. I also said they they'd run it. it, too. I said they'd run it, too. But I said the biggest thing is that defensive front is going to put pressure on Brady. In fact, they just and no Ryan threw Jensen, it all over them. Ryan Je- no Ryan Jensen, no Tristan Wirfs. They mauled the Tampa Bay offensive line. Mauled it. Yes. Yes. Mm. Excuse me. But anyway. But before we get into the Rams, on the Brady thing, 
There's a number of Tampa Bay free agents, though, at the end of the season. There are. So that is one thing to look at. Because was Brady, what if a lot of these guys go? Is Brady going to want to come back to a team where you think personnel wise they're about nine and eight? Well, I say a lot of these guys will ask Brady, are you going to come back? Because he still has one more year on his contract. And then they'll be like, all right, maybe I'll sign another one of these one-year deals. Because, I mean, if Brady's out, Gronk's out. And Gronk's contract is out. Yes. Um, you also have Godwin, JPP, Ryan Jensen in the center, uh, Sue, uh, I said Gronk, Fournette, OJ Howard, Blaine Gabbert. That's a big one. Uh, Ronald Jones. Uh, Giovanni Bernard. So that basically that entire backfield is a free agent. Yeah. Uh, Josh Wells, the right tackle, Carlton Davis. Um, you know, Carlton Davis is kind of a big one just because they're not deep in the secondary at all. No, because Jordan Whitehead is another one, the safety. Okay, so they got two guys in that starting yes. secondary that are free agents. Yes, a awesome. lot of free agents. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, and the list is a lot longer than that. Oh, I know. But those are just the notable those, ones. Yeah, those are the biggest names. Yeah. I mean, I think even if Brady comes back, Godwin's gone, in my opinion. I think that one's a big one that could leave because, like, he's gonna chase some money and I don't think you can really sign all these guys I think Fournette's another one that's Bella probably check, go get to. out the checkbook so let's just say for the sake of saying right Brady does come back to the Bucks, and there is a mass exodus right of players that are on that roster right now mm-hmm. I mean does, I, I still think Brady gets you to better than 9 and 8 well I said just personnel wise well Mike Evans is still gonna be there um I think if Brady comes back, Gronk will probably come back for another year. Well, the, the entire linebacking core is still there. Most of the D-line is there. I mean, Sue's not, but... Uh, no, Shaq, I don't think Sue or JPP will come back. Shaq Barrett's still there. Barrett's still there. Yeah. Their linebackers Vita are Ve- still there. Vita Vea's Vita still Vea there. Is Levante David's still there. Back, Devon yeah. White's still there. So Murphy Bunting is still there. Murphy Bunting's still there. So, well, that's why I said, I think even if those guys all leave, from a straight roster perspective... They're still about a nine and eight team. Now maybe Brady adds a win or two to that, but is it a Super Bowl contending team anymore? Mm, I don't think so. Probably not. No. I'm just saying. I'm, I I could see him not wanting to come back just because it's just like we're just another team. I th- I, I, w- I want to see him at this point. I almost want to see him go to the Jets. <laughs> I've seen that meme. <laughs> just like. Just to see if he can do it. Yeah, yeah. That is after that whole. After he left New England and went to Tampa, I'm not gonna lie. I went. You watch. You watch. They will at least be in the divisional round. Yes. Like I'm, after that, I'm convinced Tom Brady could literally go to any team and go, "Hey, you guys want to go to a Super Bowl?" And they go, "Yeah, let's <laughs> well, do it." The year prior, they put up numbers on offense. Yeah, it's just Jameis with, Winston yeah. threw 30 interceptions. Yeah. So. You know Brady could at least thrive as a quarterback and maybe try to outscore people, but the the defense I think surprised a lot of people that came out of the box. Yeah, yeah, it came on a lot later in the season too. Yes, Which that I'm glad you mentioned that because there was I there was something I thought of uh, before the show today. Is 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 there a Brady effect? Like people want to go play the, with him, or not, people play better with him? That offensively. Hundred percent. Oh yeah. Defensively, I I can I guess if you have that guy screaming at you on the sideline, you yeah, I could see that, that a little day bit. Day in and day out is setting that tone 
for Brian, consistency and excellence. There is a Brady effect, and it's very obvious, and that's one of the things I have against Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is so unlikable, he doesn't forge great relationships <laughs> with people that people don't care as much. With Brady, it's we can't let Tom down. You know what I mean? Mm. On defense, he made one mistake, but we can't let Tommy down. You know, we love him. He loves us. We all get along great, you know? And he's, he's there for everybody. I mean, he still won't even publicly rip A.B. all that much, even though A.B.'s taking shots and stuff. Like, people love Brady around the league who have played with him. So there is that element of just that extra motivation of, like, I can't let Tom down. So there's 100% a Brady effect. He makes other people I don't know better. If they'll internally say, I can't let Tom down. But I, I definitely could see them feeding off him and just who he is and his work ethic and just be like, all right, yeah, this guy sets the tone of I got to work a little harder. Right. I can't do the bare minimum. He expects that much out of himself every day. I have yeah. to at least get elevate myself to where that guy is. Yeah. Hmm. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So from the Brady thing, I, I want to talk about the Rams a little bit just because you have scoffed at me all season about the Rams. Yeah. And you don't like Sean McVay and whatever. Yeah. What? What? I mean, they got a I tough mean, test with the 49ers now because for whatever reason, they can't beat San Francisco. Really? I think it got easier. Well, yeah, but they just can't beat San Francisco for some reason. They're 0-6 uh, against yeah, San Francisco sure. in the last I six guess. games. Um, well, I mean, did you not see it yesterday? This team, I mean, McVay, I've said it. McVay has a mind for offense. There's no doubt with that. And you say it's particularly in the run game. And, yeah, he's. I mean, he's had guys like Gurley and Henderson's looked really good when he's um, – healthy and acres has looked really good but like at times his teams when it's when something bad happens everybody panics and i think some of that was a little bit of brady effect yesterday and we talked about this yeah like was the fact that brady was standing on the other side was the reason they're fumbling and just doing these mess ups you get tighter because it's brady oh, yeah totally. and i think so but like at times, I've, this season with the Rams, not playing Brady, I've just seen play from them that's like, come on, dude, that's not elite team play. And sometimes elite teams will play down and mess up and just have a bad week. But sometimes I've just seen things that I'm like, what are you doing? I get that. But to me, everyone was screwing up last week. There were so many mental gaffes in big situations that no, I can't even playoff, put it on the Rams more pressure than can make people think weird things and just, just see things that aren't break. happening and just, yeah, act act out and to me but anything what i took from that game was here's the difference through all of that you had matt stafford instead of jared goff now so stafford can calm things down and make the play and the throw when you need your team to right the ship when things are going wrong really i think the bucks just blew it at the very end. I mean, they kind of... They just let Cooper Cup burn him two plays. They did. And sure, that was a pretty nice throw deep. He put it... Why was he one-on-one over the top? I. Where was the safety? Why did he get over the top is the big thing. I'll tell you why he was one-on-one, though. Because Arizona tried that let's double cover Cooper Cup all game, and all it did was get them burned by OBJ. So they kind of were like, well, we can't really... So what? You we just, can't really double Cooper because OBJ, if anything, is the more explosive deep threat. So Cooper Cup had we one of the best to, seasons ever. He did, but he's not. He's not usually an actual down the field like vertical threat. There are different types of receivers. No, I know he's Cooper, a slot guy. Cup um, is more of a possession kind of guy. So I get from a Todd Bowles defensive perspective he, not doubling Cooper. 
Now the corner they would double who allows Edelman. Cup to get behind him is 100% at fault. I don't know how you let your guy get behind you. Okay, so let me ask this just to be a shitter, I guess. Yeah, go for it. If that same exact play happens in the first quarter, let's say, mm-hmm. right? Are are we are we making as big a deal out of it? No. As we are now? No. 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 Not at all. Like I think you can draw a similar sort of connection to that play as you can like with the Dallas loss. Yes. In a sense where it's like, "Oh, what are you doing, McCarthy? Why are you calling a quarterback draw?" Yes. On third and forever with yeah. 14 seconds left in the game and you don't have any timeouts. But, but what no one talked about was the fact how many penalties did Dallas have in that game? Oh, we talked about it. 15? <laughs> I mean, I know you guys did, but, but there was uh, I think it was I think it was 15 penalties for 89 yards. Un Acceptable. Yeah, completely unacceptable. <laughs> completely unacceptable. Well, like even still though. But this is what you mean. Like, like pressure just causes some guys to wilt, and that's oh. why you get these gaffes like Speaking that. Speaking of that, why were the Bucks blitzing on that last drive? Because that's what Todd Bull. Well, like, they weren't blitzing. They had four down linemen. They blitzed the slot. They absolutely did. Did they blitz the they slot? They did. They did. Well, because that's what Todd Bowles does. Uh, I mean, I get I, it. You sacked him on that first play. I mean, I, but like, I, it's not smart, but at least I can say, you know what? Bowles went out on his shield because th- that's what the Bucks hang their hat on. That's what Todd Bowles does. I guess. But even still, with the Cooper Cup OBJ thing, uh, Cooper Cup had nine receptions for 183 yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, OBJ had six receptions for 69 yards. You got to make an adjustment. Cooper Cup was burning you. Yeah. And like OBJ, six for 69, that's good. But this is one of the reasons Cooper why I thought Cup the Ra- was way better. Well, this is one of the reasons I thought the Rams would win that game anyway, though, is because the Bucks secondary is not that good. Yeah, yeah. And it's still out a couple of people. Yeah, I guess. But, like, you got to do something. You got to make an adjustment. The adjustment was maybe we can't hold them, so let's see if we can get to Stafford keep early. Your, keep your safeties in zone so they just they have to just beat you by chipping away, getting short yardage passes. I mean, I get that, but you can still find the soft spots in zone. I think from Bull's perspective, I can't double cup, and I don't feel my secondary can hold up, so I'm going to try and get the ball out of Stafford's hands early. And it didn't work out in the end. But the Tampa was lucky to be in that situation anyway. They got dominated for three and a half quarters. Yeah, because uh, Brady... I mean, I, I watching that game, like it was the same thing. I think it was 2015 or 16 against uh, Patriots versus Broncos. Yeah, which is Von Miller is just constantly in Brady's face. Yeah, now just Von Miller was in Brady's face. All just different uniforms, all game long. They were teeing off on Brady. Yeah. So, what, Brian, do you have an opinion about the Rams as a team in general, as far as moving forward, chances um, in the Super Bowl? I mean, the biggest thing I have to say about this team, honestly, this whole season is, when was the last time we saw a story as good as this Rams team? Getting Stafford in there, the Bengals' story's better. Nah, because Stafford no, had to suffer. No, Stafford had to suffer for years. How can you even years? compare those two stories? Since, you can't. Since he is so sad. <laughs> I mean, yeah, since he is so okay. No one in LA cares. Can How you, many years did Stafford have can to? Can you think of one guy that has been more deserving? Oh, of a change of scenery Matt and to have the success that the Stafford Matt Stafford's story is beautiful. I, I just, he's just doing it on the wrong team. I now, know, the Rams. as far as listen, I hate the city of Los Angeles, also Jesse. But 
take take the narrative out of it. Mm-hmm. Wow, they're a wagon. <laughs> what? <laughs> they're a wagon? They're yeah. Okay. They're a wagon. It's. I saw the Rams being where they are at the beginning of the year. Oh, I think they did? might be the best team no, wait, wait, left. Wait, 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 Brian, Brian, right here, right here. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I was the only one in my entire circle who was, uh, first off, I was on the Rams a long time ago. Great minds think alike. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I was the only one from the restaurant to here to my family who was on the Rams over the Bucks in that game. And I've been on the Rams for a while now. So. Now, I won't lie. Once I knew what the matchup was going to be, Rams-Bucks, I went, here we go. I, I, That's listen, the end of the road for Stafford. <laughs> it was, it was, I mean, nice job. Who can dude. blame me for picking Brady, though? No, nobody. No, I don't, like, I don't, I don't, I don't think I don't, people are idiots I don't pick for picking the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers. Like, when, I picked when, Tom Brady. At that, at when that game hit halftime, what, what was the score? 20 to 20, I think it was 21 3 at halftime, but yeah. then it got to 27. 21 yes. 3, and then out of the half, uh, to your point, Jesse, LA gets another one. I'm, yeah. You put up 35 more. This game ain't over yet. <laughs> I know, right? I know. There is that Brady effect. But that's why that's why I even feel more confident. You went through, you slayed the dragon. All right. You got through the, oh my gosh, we might choke away our chance. You got through it. Now you get the Niners. And they've been their bugaboo, but they'll beat them, I think. <laughs> you do? I do. I also I also think that the Rams are set up to give KC problems, too. Oh, I, I think they're the, the best team left. Because the Rams can do the same thing that the Bucks did to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, which is just dominate at the line of scrimmage and get the ball out of Mahomes' hands. So, all right. We're going to take a quick break, and then we are going to get on to the other two playoff games and then talk about the conference championship games. So stick with us, guys, before we uh, talk about the rest of the playoffs and make our predictions for the ones coming up. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back at Slow Your Roll. Dominic Lawrence on alongside writer for the Yaki Way Report, as always, Jesse Caulfield. Our uh, friend in here, Brian Salem, today for this playoff edition. Howdy. And uh, we will get to Cincinnati and the Titans. I think most of us kind of feel surprised since he even got here and surprised uh, they won this game. Tannehill really choked that one away. And uh, yeah. I really got egg on my face on this one though because I really liked Tennessee in this matchup. But I picked them to win. I know everyone, most most people did. But Brian, you actually were just talking over the break about this, so yeah. So I actually want to turn you over to you to start this. Segment. Like I said to you a second ago, I think that Tennessee, the way they're built, the way they play, the way they're coached, I think they're the perfect almost character foil to what Cincinnati is. And the thing about Tennessee and 
If you want, I'll paint you a target on my cheek afterwards. That Titans team, I think, has a little bit of early Patriots Dynasty DNA. And I don't know if it's from Vrabel or what, but the the way they're structured, the brand of football they like to play, mm. win on first down, win on defense, win in the trenches, and just don't make mistakes. Mm. Unfortunately, Tannehill makes mistakes. <laughs> but if, right. <laughs> yeah. I don't care how good your defense is, how disciplined you are. You absolutely cannot give, you cannot. Get the three picks in a playoff no, game. No, especially <laughs> yeah. to a team that's got a, a, an offensive unit built like Cincinnati's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, 100%. And actually, I, I've never thought about things in that terms, but I do see your point there on that little Patriots thing. And Vrabel comes from the Pats, so that makes kind of it makes a lot of sense. I mean, right, he was integral to that first those first the start of the years. dynasty. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, now the question is, Tennessee's got to be in the quarterback market. You think? Don't you think? I mean, if yeah. some of the big names are available, actually, well, if Wilson's available, so what's Tannehill's contract situation? It's a right mess. Now? I heard it's a mess. Isn't he owed some? Yep. Crazy sum of money. Yes. He's owed like $50 million. Come on. Like still guaranteed. No. Yes. No. So so they're never going to be able to move on from that contract. And it's like an untradeable one too. I thought that was if they straight up cut him, the dead cap hit would be like $50 million. Yes. So. Well, like there's still like, it's still over like three years. That's absurd. Yeah. Yeah. And he's 34. That's rough. Yeah, like it's 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 the worst situation for the quarterback. And like, hey, I mean, this year's not great for the draft, and they're all gonna have a later round pick. But maybe you can draft and have Tannehill be a little bit of a a guide. Mm, okay, so you see if you can take a quarterback, and then probably you have to get through another year of Tannehill before you would be able yeah, to move who, him. Who's gonna? No one's gonna trade for that. No one's gonna take that contract on for three years. They might take it on for two. But I don't think they'll do it for three. Maybe. Yeah, I think. I think. Man, Tennessee. That's that's kind of depressing to hear. They're trapped. Yeah. You know. I mean. You know what else they should have done? What? I thought it was like because I thought we were watching that game. I'm like, yeah, if they had a few more weapons, because Julio Jones just washed. Mm-hmm. I, they should have kept Corey Davis. Yeah. They, they should have kept Corey Davis over going for Julio. I know. And I get it. Julio was a name, but he's just not it. I wish Bill would have let them keep Johnny Smith. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I was excited about that one, but that one didn't work out. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, you, can, you cannot bring in a guy like that and sign him for four years and guarantee him twenty six million. Are you kidding? For the production you got out of that guy, I will drive him to the air. I'll drive him back to Tennessee. <laughs> Hunter Henry was good though. No, and I, I like the I like the Hunter Henry the the tight end duo because Bill likes that, and I thought it could really work. But I guess Janu. It's rough that Jonu was the one who didn't work because he's the one who kind of got the good amount of money. But the thing with NFL free agency, it's it's kind of hit or miss. He is younger. Like only about fifty percent of NFL free agents actually like hit. It's yeah. weird. Yeah, it's, I say Bill hit about with fifty of. I mean, yeah, Judon hit, although he disappeared at the end of the year, but still. Um, and then Hunter Henry was good. Aguilar, nah. Jonu Smith, bust. Kendrick was good. Kendrick Bourne. That Kendrick was a Bourne great, was good. Kendrick Bourne was great. Low key great. Jalen Mills, there. miss. What he played well when he I was don't, healthy. Mm, he got any any good wide receiver burnt him. He, I guess 
CD Lamb made him look terrible. A CD Lamb, that's that's tough. That's a tough it assignment. Is. Especially with how much man coverage they always play. That's a tough assignment. Uh, I, don't, I didn't like Jalen Mills this year. Uh, so was... was, was All right, all right, stop. All right, we got got, got Pat's talk. We got Pat. All right, Bills and Chiefs. Let's go real quick. I don't even know what what, what there is to say about this. This was one of the greatest games ever. Here's the the one thing. All the people who are talking about let's change the overtime rules, I don't want to change the overtime rules. Make a stop. Bills, I, I, I don't, really? I don't feel that bad for you. Make a stop. Here's the thing like, about that. Particularly, didn't go our way. We we couldn't make the play in the situation, so we want to change the rules now. Get out of here. Well, I mean, the Chiefs were complaining about changing the rules a couple years ago. Yeah, and I felt the same way when the Chiefs were complaining Here's about it. I don't make mind. a stop. Get I don't over mind it. if you change the rules. There are people going on insane online with doing like making it so complicated. Shut up. <laughs> if you're gonna change it, just either let everyone touch the ball at least once, or Make them play like another five to ten minutes and do those five to ten minutes. And as if you just extend the end of the game. Mm. Nothing else. People are doing these crazy hoops we got to jump through. No field goals. Everyone touches it at least once and then it counts. Like after that, it's like, no, shut up. (laughs) Why are we doing this? Just at least one touch each. It's all you get. And like if someone gets points, it's over. If you get the same amount of points, you do it again. That's it. I mean, I could do that, but I I, I hate this like sort of – when teams fail in these situations, we gotta change the rules. Make stop. I mean, third, that one will make it slightly more you were fair. Up, and people you were have complained about this for years. Thirteen seconds left to go in the game. You should win that game. I don't want to hear you crying because Josh Allen didn't get the ball back in overtime. I feel bad for Josh. I feel bad for Allen. He did everything you could have asked of him and more. But I don't want to hear the, the the crying about that. Make a stop. No time for that. Yeah. Let's let's get to the Sean McDermott thing real quick. So 13 seconds left. You brought this up earlier in the show, and yeah, Sean Sean's probably got to wear this one a little bit for two reasons. One, the soft coverage, which everyone likes to play, but once you know they only need a field goal, you probably got to tighten that up a little bit. You abs, you man up. Yeah. Second though, the kickoff. Now, there's only 13 seconds left. You'd think you'd probably want to squib it and make them burn another four or five seconds having to return it. But instead, you just kicked it over to the end zone and preserved all that time. I mean, I think they should if have they, done it to like the two or three yard line if you can. Yeah, but squibs, somewhere in the 10. You never really know where squibs are going to go. And if anything, you want to do it shorter because you, if you can get it not to Tyreek. No, that's what I mean. Just not a squib, just McCall. a long kick that lands somewhere in the five well, yeah, to but ten then, yard but line. But then Tyreek catches it and then he has Tyreek time. wasn't back there for that. He was back there for the punts. McCall, he, well, there's still Hardman back there though. And Hardman can, can burn That's him. why you, you kick it high. I guess I like the squib kick better because it burns more time, and a lot of times it doesn't even go to the return man. It goes to the people in front of the return man. So, either way, though, you had a chance to burn another four or five seconds, and if you do that, Casey has maybe what time for one or two plays? One play, probably one play. Let's say to your point, you burn four or five off that clock. Mm-hmm. That leaves them with eight, eight se- or nine seconds, yeah. and those two plays. You probably can to run. Hill and to Kelsey both took five seconds off the clock apiece. Yeah, all you can probably do is run like a quick out pattern, complete that, get out of bounds, and then throw the Hail Mary. That's all you have time to do then. So yeah. McDermott had two big gaffes on that. And I like yeah. McDermott, and he's not the only one. As I mentioned, you should all appreciate Belichick more because I saw nothing but terrible situational football and choke jobs. All weekend long. Yeah, I mean, Casey and that the 13-second drive, all they did was take what the defense gave him. A quick pass to Tyreek. He 
ran for uh, two steps, dove down, quick timeout. I mean, the three timeouts should have told the Bills, this is not over. We got to make him run as few plays as possible, Mm. meaning that that one play, if it's two at most, that second one has to be the end of the game. Mm. So, yeah, they really – because we even talked about it. We watched the game, like – I mean, both times when the Bills had the chance to win the game and they kicked it off to KC, I, I brought it up. Like, do you let them run it back or do you just kick it out of the end zone? And mm-hmm. both times they kicked it out of the end zone. Yeah. They played it safe. Yeah. And they shouldn't have. No, absolutely not. So two big gaffes there. All right, moving on to the next round of matchups. What do we see here? KC, Cincinnati. I don't feel like we need to spend a lot of time on this. I, I see this as a complete earth salting. That could, that could be another one like the Bills game. Whoever's got the ball last. Uh, no, I don't think so. Cincy, Cincy's offense, I, I think, is getting a little bit overrated in the playoffs. Tennessee sacked Burrow nine times. Yeah. Like, they, I know the wide receivers, the perimeter speed is great, and Burrow is great. But the O-line is bad. It's yes. a bad O-line. It's abysmal, but he was still able to throw for almost 350 yards. Yeah, but they had 19 points, and a lot of it was gift-wrapped from Brian Tannehill's turnovers. Fair enough. Same thing with the Raiders game. They got the ball twice deep in Raider territory and had to settle for field goals for two of them. I don't, I, I don't think they're good enough all the way around, and their defense is not going to stop Kansas City. Like, if that line, if that line on a betting line comes out at 8.5, 9, I'll probably still take Kansas City. I do think the Chiefs are going to roll, Cincy. Okay. Do you have any? I mean, I, I, everything I see, since he's more experienced, they are more talented um, on both sides of the ball. But I don't know. I want to pick the underdog here. Like I, I picked. I think I picked Cincy to lose both times. No, I know I picked Cincy to lose both times, and they've won both times. I'm going to pick Cincy to win. You you want it to happen. You don't really believe it. I really want Cincy to win. You don't believe it though in your heart. I you if know, I put if I put a gun to your head and said if you're wrong you die you'd be like ah Kansas City ah Kansas City by at least seven and a half too. <laughs> eleven <laughs> eleven times out of seven I take the Chiefs in that scenario. You know what? Is I would and twice on Sunday. <laughs> I would take them nine times out of ten. Yeah, or ninety nine out of a hundred times. But like. They are the team of destiny right now. If the Bills aren't the team of destiny, the Bengals seem to be the team of destiny right now. So. Rams are the team of destiny. Thank you. No. Matt I was Stafford just say, from Detroit. The, Stafford's the man of destiny. Yep. Fresh mm. off Detroit, baby. Out of the hellhole. Eh. I mean. <laughs> out of that third world. I, I still say the Bengals would be a better story. Nah. Because that just that you just hate Los, you hate Los Angeles. I get it. All right, I don't, hate, I don't hate Matt Stafford though. No, I know you hate the city of Los Angeles. I mean, and actually, I, I do mean, too. They're actually real. I mean, I like Aaron Donald. He's fun to watch. I like Cooper Cup. He's really fun to watch. I don't hate OBJ like a lot of people do. Yeah, I don't mind sure. OBJ. L.A. the city. You can't. No, no, you yeah. can't have it. No. Yeah, I know. I hate. The, I hate the city too. But I like the Rams. You can't. Ramsey's annoying though. But anyway. Bucks, Ram, uh, Niners, Rams. What are we thinking? Brian, I'll Rams. let you start. Rams all the way. Why? I just think they got better firepower, I think, uh, offensively. I mean, you look at both coaches. They're both very offensive-minded guys. But I think the kind of football that Shanahan wants his guys playing and the kind of system he wants them disciplined in, it's they, 
I, I don't think they'll be able to hang with the Rams. I agree. And as far as defense goes, like, what's San Fran going to look like when this game rolls around? Yeah. In what kind of shape are they going to be? Yeah. Who's going to be back? Who's still going to be sitting? San Fran, San Fran has got to go through two nerve-wracking games. That Packers game was super physical, too. Um, the Cowboys game. I mean, yeah. You gotta wonder how much is left in the tank for the Niners. I think they're gonna be gassed. They might be. I mean, they they had to kill Kittle and Debo Samuel to win that last game. Exactly. They were limping off the field, basically. So, so, so how is how does San Fran's offense stand any shred of a chance against the Rams? Jimmy defense? G wins games oh, somehow. Yeah. <laughs> somehow the galloping um, chicken. No, nah, I'm not. I'm not a Jimmy G defender at all. I mean, I I'm. I'm on the Rams too, yeah. and I don't. You're what? I'm. I'm. I mean, I, the Rams are gonna win, probably. <laughs> but like, and even said, like, you bring up the like the 49ers um, have their number, and they do. Um, and maybe it's Kyle Shanahan's, Sean McVay's numbers. Maybe it's just how the teams are built. But I also think like that last game, the Rams should have won, mm-hmm. but they blew it. So I think if Sean McVay's even a halfway decent coach. He'll just polish that up, and he should. Yeah, the Niners actually win also well. cared way more about that game than the Rams did too. True, the Niners that is needed true. to win that game to make the playoffs. So true, there is that. Not to say the Rams didn't have things to play for, but it was just. But it was seeding. a desperate. It was a desperate situation for the Niners. Yeah. All right, so from that Patriots talk, we talked a lot about this last show. So I want Brian, you to start out. Where do you see the Pat season? How successful you think it is? Your thoughts on Mac, and then. Going forward, how worried are you, though, about the Pats? Because now we got to feel deal with Josh Allen and division every year. Right. So as far as what my outlook on the Patriots season as a whole was, I'd say on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd give it a 7. Okay. 7.5 maybe. I mean, you looked like crap to open it up. Shouldn't have lost that Miami game. Probably could have won the Bucks game if Bill put his you know, Cajones out on the table. Mm-hmm. Probably should have won the Dallas game. Third and 25, that's the defense you play? Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. Should have been 3-1. and one. Should have been 3-1 and one mm. after four weeks. But they did what they did. They looked like garbage. And then they rattled off, what, seven, eight seven, I think it was straight? Seven, I think it was seven in a row. But I think a lot of people saw that winning streak through rose-colored glasses. Mm-hmm. Look at the teams that you played... Look at where they ended up at the end of the season. And even if they were playoff teams, like Tennessee still still ended up the number one seed. And you beat them handily. Hmm. But they were decimated by injuries. Yeah. So it's there's that them. weird sort of skew. Like we they went on that win streak. You, you <laughs> gotta beat your competition, and they did, but yeah, it was, was it really a stiff competition as yeah. we thought it was yeah, in, in the heat of that win streak? Yeah, it was a it was it was a Tennessee team on crutches that week. Yeah, they yeah. also beat the Bills in a storm. Yes, but if the weather was fine, the Bills beat them pretty handily twice. Yeah, there was what so. fifty mile an hour gusts of wind. You yeah. couldn't even throw the ball. How yeah. many how many times have, have have either of you guys seen a quarterback throw a ball three times in a game and I, win and win? The only First time, time I can life. think of is uh, watching uh, Navy in the triple option in college. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's about that's about the only times I ever see a quarterback throw the ball three times and they still win. You will never ever see a professional football team be able to dial up a 1940s high school game plan and win <laughs> again. Probably not. So now, how do you feel about Mac? I think are you sold on Mac yet or not yet? 
it's tough to say. It really is. Like, so, so guys like Jones, and I don't want to just pick on him as an individual, hmm. right? But think about all the guys in college, okay? Not just kids that played in the SEC, your Bamas, your Georgias, your LSUs. Take them out of the equation, right? Guys like Mark Sanchez looked great in college. Marcus Mariota looked great in college. Ryan freaking Mallett was elite in college. And they came here and they got to the league and they were kind of within a few years. Yeah. I think Max got a lot of potential. But again, I think that's kind of skewed. People look at the kid through rose-colored glasses because... Yeah. Let's face it. You, you you play college ball in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. You are playing with the best talent in the country. Oh, my gosh. I I swear I didn't know he was going to say some of the things that he said when he came on. I swear to God I did not know. You're saying, this, you're saying the same things I've said when he got drafted, too. This is why I don't like power program quarterbacks. No, and you know another thing that not enough people <laughs> said about Jones? Not only did he play college ball in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, he's from Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, my thing with Mac now is it seems like he is going to be reliant on New England finally being able to figure out the things that they haven't been able to figure out, which is get elite weapons around him. If they can't, Mac is not going to be good enough to overcome much of any any of that. You can't give him subpar pieces and expect him to develop into a, a top franchise quarterback. He's got to have weapons around him because he will not improvise plays. He's not a special arm talent. He can run the offense and be efficient. But to get to a place where you're like Brady level efficient running an offense that you can overcome subpar talent, especially in today's NFL with all this offensive talent, he won't have enough time and won't have enough wins under his belt to get there, in my opinion, unless you find a way to get him some elite pieces, some cheap touchdowns, stuff like that. That's how I feel on Mac. Uh, actually, the Patriots I saw this week were linked to being interested in Calvin Ridley. I would love to bring in Calvin Ridley. There's reasons I would, and there's reasons I wouldn't. I think you've got to try. Why wouldn't you? His he hasn't he's shown to not have the best mental health. Maybe he didn't want to play. The Patriots the- are very Maybe he didn't want to play for the Falcons. No, I could see that. You're like, yeah, maybe you're just he just being on maybe, a losing maybe, franchise maybe from day was, one. Maybe it was a front. He just didn't want to play for I the mean, Falcons. I mean, if nothing else, right, you know why the kid left. We know he left because he feels as though he has some mental health problems that he needs to work out. But at the same time, he's proactively working mm. towards a solution there. Sure. And I, I hope he gets the best help for him and stuff like that. But I just so, don't know if maybe then going to the toughest places to work day in and day out is then the best fit for him immediately after. Who would you rather have Mac throw on the ball to for $11 oh, million? I would love his talent. Him? Would you ra- For $11 million bucks, right? Salaries are basically comparable here. Would you rather have Mac throw on the ball to Calvin Ridley or Nelson Stonehands Aguilar? Oh, Ridley. 100%. And you well, can, you and, gotta then move you, Aguilar. And, and you can get him easy. You should be able to get Calvin Ridley here easy, right? Look at look, look at Atlanta needs picks. They need picks. They're not going to be good. Ridley might, I mean, like, did he burn his bridges? Does it, maybe he didn't want to play there, and that's part of this. They need some serious O-line help. They do need some serious O-line help, yeah. Pats need O-line help. 
but not so much because they don't necessarily have all great personnel. They have guys that they're trying to slot into positions that they're not meant to play. Yeah. Isaiah Wynn, case in point, right? Yeah. Kid's a natural guard by his technique, the way he plays, and his size. He's not a tackle. Mm. Ship him, package Wynn, and a pick or two, like a, a second, a high second, maybe a third. Yeah. No, I, 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 I think it's doable. Ship, ship him down there. Move Trent Brown back to left tackle where he was when you ran your way to a Super Bowl? Yeah. No, I think it's doable, 100%. And I think, I know... Where do you then get O-line help? Well, do the Pats... Look, do you look for the, the Pats, market? But do the you Pats, try to draft someone? You draft. Help? I think because... The Pats, the Pats I, have shown that they can draft offensive linemen. With Dante Skarnakia. I, I understand that, but I still think they can develop it and they can figure it out. I have far more faith in them fixing an O-line than trying to draft offensive uh, pieces oh, as far as wide receivers, like sure. wide receivers and stuff. I mean, they have just, they can't draft it, that. It's just been whiff after whiff after whiff. Plus if you, if you, if you make that set of moves, right. That I just presented to you, you ship win out regardless of what you get back for him. Say wins gone, right. For all intents and purposes, you move Trent Brown back over to that left side. I have zero concern for whatever's going to happen to Mac, because the line now is what it is. You lost one guy, moved another guy over. So now you have to supplement for taking Trent Brown away from right tackle. Mm. Yeah. But Jones has proven that he understands how to read defenses. He understands how to audible from a bad play to a good play. He understands run checks, understands blocking schemes, how to, you know, he's coming from here, so this guy's going to dump coverage off. Mm Mm-hmm. I got this guy blocking that rusher. You know, there's a free safety going to come around the, my strong side, but if nothing else, it's not his weak side. It's not the back side. It's a strong side. Mm-hmm. I don't fear too, too much mm. having a subpar right tackle. Mm. As long as you got a guy to protect Jones's backside, I think he can work his way through having a little bit of patchwork on that right side. I like that. I like that idea. That's that's good. That's good. And and if they could get Ridley in here, I'd do that. I don't really care about the mental health stuff as much because I think the Pats have gotten to a place where you just need to kick the tires on just about everything right now to fix that wide. I mean, listen, this has been for four years now that we've been talking about this and they can't fix it. So I think all options are on the table other than Antonio Brown. I also want to put this out there. Should they decide to try to make a move and get Nikhil Harry out of here, I would also drive him to the airport. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've, we've debated on... Good like, luck getting we've, him out of here. We've though. debated on, and maybe I'll do it uh, when we go to video, of having like a countdown clock of until Nikhil Harry's cut. <laughs> it's been blah, 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 blah days, and he's still not cut yet. <laughs> All right. All right. Moving on, guys. We're not even going to do a second break this show. We're just going to go the, the way through. Good. Finish yes. strong. Yes. We're going to go to the fair and foul segment. Yeah, I know. We'll get to Brian Flores another week. <laughs> We're pushing it back again. Man. I know. Anyway, though. So the fair and foul segment. It's been a while since we've done this. It's been but a while. been a while. All right. So the first one. I'll start it off. Jesse, I'll let you start. Did the Titans choke harder than Green Bay? Uh, I say no. That is foul. Because I wasn't that high on the Titans. I don't really think they were a true number one. I thought the Bills and KC were better than them in the AFC. And Packers were number one in the whole league. And yeah, I know it's their thing to choke in the playoffs. But like, we, we 
you still should go into playoffs with what did you do this year and those expectations. And the Packers were, I think, clearly a better team. Mm. Did they choke to maybe a team more unexpectedly? I guess. I expected the Titans to beat up the Bengals. I didn't really expect the Packers to beat up the 49ers, but that's mostly because the 49ers are maybe a little more put together Mm. as a whole. And historically, they've been giving Green Bay problems. All right. Yeah. Same question to you, Brian. I think I'm with Jesse on this one. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Tennessee choked harder. So foul. No, you're fair. Oh no, I'm fair. Oh, you're right. I'm fair on this. <laughs> I agree with you with when you look at final score and who should have won. The Green Bay is the harder choke. But when you watch the game itself and mm-hmm. how it played out and how the team did, other than Green Bay's special teams gaffe there on the block, I wouldn't say they choked throughout. They just seemed scared and didn't make the play that they needed to do or were were aggressive enough. Tennessee, from the first offensive play, was gagging this game away. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, very first play, goes full freshman quarterback and goes, oh, it's a play action. There's no way this is not going to work. Play action to Henry, spins, turns around, fires without even reading coverage or really looking at the defense, just assuming the guy's going to be open and throws a pick on the very first play of the game. Screw it. Yeah. Brown's going to be out there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. It was literally, it's like, do you ever play like Madden 2 when you have something set up and you're like, this for sure is going to work? Yeah. And it's a video game, so of course it works perfectly. It was like Tannehill was just like, for sure it's going to work. It's perfect. I'm sure they're all just going to jump on Derrick Henry getting the ball. And, like, without looking, just the minute he turns around from the play action, just with the full confidence in the world, just beams it right to the Cincinnati defender because Brown's not open and it didn't fool anybody. So from the get-go, they were choking this game away. I mean, I guess. Three interceptions. What the hell was that one on that last? I'm not saying that last interception was like the worst interception in the world, but Ryan Tannehill, you have been in this league too long to not understand game flow. And clearly what Vrabel and that team was trying to tell you by the way they ran that last drive was, we want to be cautious because we want to make sure since he doesn't get the ball back with any time, if we don't score, we're okay with going to overtime. But we don't want to do anything dumb. Instead, whoa, hook route, he's sitting in zone with four defenders around him. Yeah, he's in front of this defender, but he's right on his back. I'm going to throw it anyway. Ball gets tipped up in the air. It's a pick. You've basically gift-wrapped Cincy the game, and there's only like 18 seconds left. Gift-wrapped him the game. I, I guess. But, like, I mean, Cincy did, for the most part, yes, Tennessee gave that first play away, and that set him up well. But Cincy controlled, for the most part, the game for most, for pretty much most of the game. Uh, and also, when I saw that Derrick Henry was not 100%, that really shifted how I felt about Tennessee. I get that. But I think from the moment it started, the way the game played out, Tennessee was just gagging after gag after gag on this one. So what do you think What do you think they do next year? You think Tennessee comes up flat? Hmm. Nah, because Henry will be healthy. I think, I think they'll, they'll figure some things out and realize they need to manage Tannehill a little more. I'm sure Vrabel's smart. He'll come up with something. Yeah. Do I think they're a Super Bowl contender? No. 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 
I think now that you have Allen, Mahomes, eventually if the Chargers ever get it right, Herbert, all in, all in the AFC, they're not making a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill. It's just not going to happen. All right. Next one. I'm probably not even going to answer on this because I feel like you guys are just going to agree. But anyway, we got the Hall of Fame coming up. So Bonds, A-Rod, and Clemens should get into the Hall of Fame. Brian, I'm going to let you start. That's a tough one. That's It's a tough call because like I, I do want to be sort of a purist and go, if you cheated, you don't get in. But by that logic, I think we all know that David Ortiz probably doesn't get in. And you talk about a guy that should be first ballot. I think he's that sort of guy. So by that logic, I do think, yes, they, they got to go. They got to go in? They got to go in. Oh, okay. Jesse. All right. Well, I wrote it. You know, I wrote it. I write all my notes down and stuff like that for the show. And I wrote it as uh, this question as cheaters deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. If that's how you think that that, that tells you how I feel. With the David Ortiz thing, uh, what David Ortiz took was uh, legal at the time. And uh, one of the only people the league has ever defended in terms of being outed for taking a performance-enhancing drug in the past. Never tested positive. Uh, and also, I mean, we shouldn't put these steroid users in if Pete Rose isn't in. And I won't even hear it until Pete Rose is in. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to say a steroid user should be in the Hall of Fame because that's ridiculous. That's a fair assessment. Wait, so wait did you say what Ortiz took wasn't illegal at the time? At the time, yes. That's was, what I thought. I knew there was a there was a caveat to the Ortiz yes. one. Yeah. I, I think there's a big caveat to the Clemens thing. When he, when he, the early half of his career. Yeah. I mean, he was clean, wasn't he? Probably. Oh, I mean, people say like with uh, Barry Bonds, for he was a clean for a long time. It wasn't until he went to San Fran that he okay. started to bulk up and get huge. Bonds is the most obvious one, though. Go but he was at- putting up great numbers before that, and the argument he was a Hall of Fame player before that. Yes, I don't I know. care. No, I don't care either. Bonds is the most egregious because if you look at the way he looked, I think, A-Rod's and then look the what, he, what he got to San Francisco. I know his head went from like the size of an <laughs> apple to a watermelon. Who? Yes, I mean, I still think A Rod was more egregious because he got caught multiple times. A Rod was the was and the was most doing it his entire career. Yes, but what I'm saying is, from you could just the amount that that man Bonds changed oh, from yeah. when he took steroids to when he wasn't is absurd. Yes. he became a totally different looking human being. His play was completely different. I mean. In Pittsburgh, what was he hitting? Probably 28, 32? Yeah, he up to like, he got in 28 the to 32 home runs a year. But he was a five-tool player. Yes. He didn't think of him as just as a power bat. He gets to San Francisco, starts doing a ridiculous steroid regime. I, I feel like he was probably shooting it three times a day. Which that's that, that not was a his, hitter's park either. That was his breakfast, basically, was just steroid injections. He puts on like 100 pounds of muscle and he starts hitting 60 home runs a season. Like, turned into a completely different player. Yeah, and San Fran is not a hitter-friendly ballpark. No, not at all. Oh, so here's another question. Should we put an asterisk next to records like his home run record? I would, yeah. 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 Which you then have to put it for McGuire, who broke the record first at 70. Yes. Um, but like, Basically, yeah, Roger Maris so. is still the king. <laughs> all right, last one. I'll start this one, too. Rays just need to build a stadium in Tampa. They don't actually have to leave Tampa Bay. I'm going to say absolutely foul. Completely foul. The Lightning weren't even drawing that well until they won a cup. I know the Bucks draw well now because they have Brady. Once Brady leaves, they're not going to draw well. 
the city of Charlotte wants a team so bad. Nashville wants a team. There's so many places that I think the Rays will do well. Uh, Miami doesn't draw well. I don't think Florida is a huge sports market as far as... I mean, like, if you're winning and you're really good, you'll draw. But other than that, no. Baseball-wise, it's not shown to be a good market at all. I know the stadium's in a terrible place, but if they go to the city of Charlotte, I'm telling you it's going to be a home run. And not to get political for a second, but just just obvious statistics. I'm not going to say why, but in the past couple of years, Charlotte was already an up-and-coming city, and now you have a lot of migration from the north and the west coast down to the south. Right now, a lot of people moving down there. It's only getting bigger. So, growing city, and they want a team really bad. So, I think I think it would be perfect for them. Just move to Charlotte already. So, as far as the Rays situation goes, do you think it's more of a lack of interest in the team, or it's a, the whole market just has such a lack of interest in baseball? I think the whole market has a lack of interest in baseball. I mean, look at the way the Sox travel when they go down there, though. Yeah, because well, they're all transplants. The thing, yeah, they the care thing about, about their team. I think Fair the problem enough. with the state of Florida and putting any team there. I mean, football is a different story because just America loves football. But with yeah, hockey and baseball, especially, so many people that live in Florida have grew up in other states and have different allegiances and go down there and they still have those allegiances and they don't care that much. So that's this is a problem with Florida. However, I still say it's fair. I still think the city of Tampa Bay would give a damn if the stadium was actually in Tampa Bay. Mm. It is. Have you been to Tropicana Field? I have not. I know where it is. Everything about it is horrendous. Oh, yeah. The field is awful. I know the stadium's awful. It's a terrible location. Everything around it is stupid. It's St. Petersburg. I think it's two bridges. It's only two bridges you can take to get to it from Tampa. Yeah. Yeah. If you're actually coming from Tampa, it's a nightmare to get there. Yeah. So actually, when, when my family went down to Tampa to watch a Red Sox series, we did not we flew to Tampa. We did not stay in Tampa. You stayed in St. Petersburg. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, even, like, the stadium itself is trash. <laughs> it, oh. is an, it is an ugly stadium, I know. Yes. Um, and I understand why people don't want to go there. I mean, actually, for a long time, they didn't even have AC, which then I really understood. Mm. But they had AC when I went, thank God. But, like, I feel like the city of Tampa Bay, you say they, they only didn't embrace the lightning until they were winning. Yeah, recently, but actually, in terms of southern teams, they've always been one of the best turnout. Okay. Um, and, I th- yeah, I think Tampa Bay, they, you know, they still get those criticism in the playoffs. They don't sell out the games and stuff like that. I think if they were in Tampa Bay and had a decent stadium, I think it would look a lot different. Okay. Because the fans that are Rays fans, I'm never going to question their passion. Okay. All right. Brian, do you, have a, do you have a thought on this one? So my question for you is, do you think the team has been relevant and successful enough? Yes. Over the last, say, yeah, they've been decade? Good. They've been good for a while now. Years? I wouldn't go maybe as far as a decade, but the last five years have warranted, I feel, talk. So since 2008, right, we'll go year by year. I got the uh, raised finishes here. So starting in 2008, they, lost the, they made it to the World Series, lost four games to one. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2009, they missed. They finished third in the division, 19 games out. Mm-hmm. The next two years, 2010 and 2011, respectively, they lost in, the, in both ALDS series, three games to two, and then the next year, they lost three games to one. They were out in 2012, 2013, they went back, lost in the DS again, 
three games to one. From 14 to 18, they were out of it completely. Mm. Uh, 2019, lost in the DS three games to two. 2020, lost in the World Series four games to two. Uh, 2021, DS three games to one. So is it, I mean, they're there, but when they get there, they don't really do anything with it. Yeah, but you could say that's because they don't have enough money. They don't draw well enough. If you I get your go point. into Tampa, you might be able to be a little bit of a bigger market. I get your point. So like, say I get your say, point, but say, to me, as a small market team in baseball, that that's about as good as it gets. So I mean, say they do end up getting a new stadium down there, and it they actually do pay taxes in Tampa. Mm-hmm. Does that? You think that? I mean, that's got to bring some sort of increase and in draw to the team it, listen, and publicity it, and yeah. uh, financial promise to some degree. I think there's two issues. I mean, one's not an issue. Obviously, it'll make it better because they're about as bad as it gets right now. I mean, that's <laughs> like 4,000 people at games sometimes. It's awful. So obviously, it'll be better. My issue is, is I just don't think the market is so great. So if they build that stadium and they're not as good as they are right now when that starts, I think you're going to see it go downhill quickly. Mm. And I think no matter what, I think if you moved them to Nashville or Charlotte, the the support and the attention that they would get instantly would be crazy, especially Charlotte. So, yeah, that's my thing on that. All right. So we're getting ready to wrap this up. This is the last part. The Darwin Award. I think you can all probably guess who's getting this. There, there were a couple of people. You can throw those names in there after we're done and announce it. For uh, Actually, do we, who, who did we say was in the running for the Darwin Award this week? Uh, Tyree Kill was for a couple minutes, but then they ended up winning the game. Yes. We all, we were, I wanted to do it Tyree was, Kill because of that peace sign. Oh, yeah. It was almost the Bucks thing all over again. We threw up the peace sign mm. when he beat the Bucks, and then they saw him again in the, in the, Super, uh, in the Super Bowl. So it was almost that. We could have done Dallas because they still don't want to fire McCarthy for some stupid reason. Seattle's up there too because we're going to not we're going to let Russell Wilson walk just cuz we want to bring back ancient Pete Carroll and John Snyder even though they need to just send Pete Carroll out to pasture already. It's over. Games <laughs> passed them by. All those were runner-ups. Drum roll please everyone. Let's go. This week's Darwin Award winner is Aaron Rodgers for choking once again in a big playoff game. And what makes this worse than all the others, in my opinion, is you started the season holding about a half-hour press conference in which you ripped the Packer front office and said that you weren't getting the support that you needed, and yet in that game your defense played absolutely insane. You had one touchdown. (laughs) So Aaron Rodgers, deservedly so, I think, is the Darwin Award winner. He put extra pressure on himself this year, and he folded worse than he even has in other games. Talk about not getting the support you need. He plays for a team that is a publicly owned entity. Right? For Christ's sake. <laughs> what more support do you need? I know. <laughs> and like I said, their defense is good. San Francisco didn't have positive total offensive yardage until halfway through the second quarter. Didn't complete a pass until seven minutes into the second quarter. So, I mean, I, the Green Bay Packers as a whole were also in a running. Yes. But we singled out... Aaron, I single because up. of his polarizing yes. figure. And because the way the season started. Yeah. You don't get the Darwin just for losing. You get it for holding a 30-minute press conference, <laughs> blaming other people. And, then, and when, then when the rubber hits the road, you had one touchdown all game in a game that you were heavily favored in. So 
Darwin Award, Aaron Rodgers. I love ripping on Rodgers. I'm so glad he got bitch slapped. I know. It was was entertaining. I was running around my living room. (laughs) I really was. He's such an a-hole. I was hoping to see Rodgers bitch slap Brady and then Rodgers get bitch slapped, but I mean, I'll, I'll... Oh, this one, this I, lo- I, I love that Stafford beat him too. Yes, that Stafford beat Brady because it's exactly. Oh, All right, guys, that has been in this week for Slow Your Roll. You can follow us on Instagram at Slow Your Roll for uh, clips, videos from the show. Uh, also, uh, the website at Slow Your uh, Just Slow Your Roll dot com for past episodes, Jesse's articles. I know that's usually during the baseball season, but still. Um, and then the biggest news of the week in sports clips and all that kind of stuff so thank you very much everyone and have a great rest of your week thank you again brian salem for coming on Thanks and for, for the support as always if you ever want to come on again just shoot me a text it would be my pleasure yeah it's been it's been you, it's you know been what you just you give me times and i will be here all right sounds good have a good rest of your week everyone